Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 12 Review Edition. I'm your host, Tim Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to be talking ball with Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, the best hair in the freaking industry, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up? I don't know. The hair's kind of flat today. Zoe says she likes the flat, flatter hair. She says, like, don't make it don't go so tall. So I just, I got a little trim. It's a little flatter. It fits in the box, you know. So I'm doing what I can, Ian. I have had a buzz cut from eighth grade until about a year and a half ago. And I just, I've never had more hair on my head than I do right now. And if I get a couple of drinks to me, I'll just ask my friends like, hey man, seriously, this looks stupid or is this okay, man? So everyone out there, you know, you can be kind about it. Don't to be a dicks, but I am, you know, looking for objective uh, feedback on the old hair. So can't like you kind of got the, uh, you kind of got the Tyler Durden look going okay. from uh, Fight Club. I, yeah. I think it's looking pretty good, Ian. Dude, Fight Club compliment. Dwayne, you, you, know, you know how I get straight to my heart, man. But all right, <laughs> enough of that, everyone. As you all know, though, we did have four games happen before this Sunday. So not going to be breaking down each and every sheesh and, you know, moment from that action. I'm pretty sure we all spent the better part of Thanksgiving and Black Friday watching football. And it was fantastic. But, Dwayne, there were about five bigger takeaways we wanted to quickly run through before getting into exactly what happened on Sunday. So starting off in Green Bay, no Aaron Jones. And while we did actually see Patrick Taylor Leaf, the Packers, for a portion of the season, was on the Patriots Packers squad when they went ahead and re-signed him. He ended up making this a bit more of a two-back committee than potentially expected, Dwayne. Was still A.J. Dillon leading the way in terms of raw touches. He had 17 of the backfields, 21, but not exactly the sort of, you know, you are on the field for all three downs each and every series out here. You know, that type of workload that we would want to see out of Dillon to really make him this weekly must-start RB2. Yeah, Taylor took, you know, a uh, 48% of the route participation. So that was the big deal. Um, most of the rushing attempts did go to AJ Dillon. So Patrick Taylor only had 14% of the rushing attempts uh this past week, but he had 100% of the long down and distance work, and then he had 50% of the two-minute offense. So he kind of took over that pa the passing down stuff that Aaron Jones left behind. Um, he didn't really pick up the rushing attempts that Aaron Jones left behind. Most of those did go to AJ Dillon. So it is a slight upgrade, I do think, for AJ Dillon if we have another game without Aaron Jones. But to your point, it's not uh, you know, AJ Dillon in a full every down bell cow role. Also, we'll note Luke Musgrave on IR, and we actually had Tucker Kraft, their other day two tight end, have a pretty elite 88% route rate. So not so sure he's going to be quite as involved as Musgrave, who, let's face it, maybe wasn't, you know, all that big of a factor week to week anyway in the passing game. But you don't usually see tight ends, again, running a route on that high of a percentage of their team's dropbacks. So tight end premium, extra deep leagues, you know who you are. Could see Tucker Kraft getting a little bit of wave wire momentum here into week 13. Over in Detroit, Dwayne, we saw Jamison Williams really have three straight great weeks of seeing his route percentage move up and up coming out of the bye we got that career best 66 percent mark in week 11 didn't exactly see that keep on screaming up 62 percent not bad but this is still clearly an offense that wants to feature the sun god josh reynolds and jameson williams in three wide receiver sets and lest we forget about khalif raymond doing his thing as a number four wide receiver yeah and they want to get the ball to jameer gibbs in the passing game as well yeah. and laporta so yeah. Uh, Jamison right now looks like the fourth option in the passing game. Like Josh Reynolds, you know, is not, he's not really doing enough to say, oh my God, Jamison can never pass him. But 
it's not like Jamison is outplaying him either. Like targets per route run over the last four games for Jamison, 13%. Josh Reynolds is at 8%. That's not good for either one of them. So we really need Jamison to take a step forward. Earlier in the year, you know, he was posting these 23, 22, you know, like 20% range targets per route run. And then those, you know, if he was able to keep that and then eventually work his way up to, you know, like 75, 85% route participation, there could definitely be something there. But that just hasn't necessarily come to fruition so far at this point. So, yeah, he's still really more of a wide receiver six stash. He is capable of coming through on one play. We saw him do it in week 11. He's going to always have an opportunity to catch a long ball for a touchdown. He's going to get like he, I think he's pretty much going to get a target like that almost every game. Ian, yeah. you know, it's just a matter of like, does it connect or not? Um, but that just pretty much makes him like, uh, you know, you're just hoping you get lucky. So right now he's really just a stash play unless, well, we do have week 13 coming, which is like, uh, the, the next by Mageddon. So it may, maybe like he's a low end wide receiver four if you're just absolutely desperate. Hey, this is on the sixth ranked scoring offense in the NFL. So if we are going to be taking more of a chance yeah. on a low volume player, it would be in a situation like this, but yeah, Dwayne, don't think we're going to necessarily see those days of, you know, locking them in as even a top 36 option and feeling good about it, at least for 2023. Yeah. By Mageddon people, hopefully you, uh, you know, didn't look at those week 13 matchups over Thanksgiving quick and easy way uh, to ruin the day. I might've learned uh, from a friend, AKA me. All right. In Seattle, Zach Charbonnet. Yes, he disappointed in the box score, but also yesterday, and this is elite RB1 utilization numbers right here. 87% snaps was working across all rushing and passing downs as well. I mean, the only problem at this point is just the schedule, man, because it's one ridiculously tough matchup after another. We saw it on Thursday night. Maybe some of us saw, maybe some of us were sleeping. But now, man, 49ers last week, then the Cowboys and the 49ers again. Eagles, Titans, and Steelers to round things out. I'm not saying he can't go off in those matchups, Dwayne, but how are you feeling with Charbonnet again Kenneth Walker not completely out of the picture but this feels like a guy who probably has the RB1 utilization we look for but maybe we just have to treat a bit more like an RB2 than we prefer um I mean if he's going to get this kind of work I I, I agree with you the matchups are tough I mean I get and, and also like the big thing here is like Walker could easily be back this week yeah um you know they said that he would have a chance. So we'll see what happens with that. There's, there's always a chance though with, with Pete Carroll. Uh, we'll have to see what coach. Speak even index even has Chris Carson still. <laughs> exactly. But to your point, it is the elite kind of route. Particip- it is the elite kind of utilization we want. And the big out that he has is his route participation and his usage in the passing game. He had a 15% target share in this last game, and they've really been using him more in that you know capacity for the last three games, Ian, 13%, 17%, and then the 15% I just mentioned. So those are all solid target shares. So there's there are ways for him to overcome bad matchups um, because he can catch the ball out of the backfield, especially if the Seahawks fall behind. So I, I don't know. I'll have to – I haven't gotten – to the point yet where I'm like ranking him for each one of those games. Utilization is RB1 worthy, yeah. um, but the matchups could push him, like you said, into that RB2 range. Six teams on by this week. Maybe not. Might very well still be in the top 12, but yeah, just again, but yeah, not completely ideal. <laughs> just on that alone. He's last, gonna, yeah. Yeah. Last two, Dwayne. I don't think we need to have a huge uh, conversation about it, but just again, in Miami with Devin Achan out, probably not for that long, just based on what we've heard from Mike McDaniel. But with him out and with Salvin Ackman on IR, we saw Raheem Mostert lead the way 60% snaps and 52% routes. Jeff Wilson, a pretty distant second there at 33% snaps and 16% routes. And then also, 
also with the New York Jets, AFC East rival, if you want to call him that at this point. Brees Hall, I will just note, 80% of the first half snaps that game got away from them a bit at the end, and they had a really long drive where Dalvin Cook ended up, I think, inflating some of those numbers there over the last few weeks. So, and the story, Dwayne, I think is Brees Hall, Raheem Mostert. You can tear and start both of them. You would wish that it was going to go a bit better with Brees Hall, but that's just kind of the way the cookie is crumbling inside the Jets offense this year. And otherwise, man, if we do get HM back, probably going to be at the expense of Jeff Wilson when it comes down to snaps. Yeah, nothing else to really add here. Um, we also remember Salvin Ahmed was out um, for that IR. game as well. Oh, yeah, he did hit IR. So we'll have to see what happens with HN, and we'll just take it from there. But Wilson, you know, he had good games last year. In fact, you know, we saw it end up more as a hot hand. I don't think we can jump to that conclusion this year until we see him actually force that in a game. So I do look at him just more as, you know, a guy that if something happened to Mostert and HN happened to miss extended time, then yeah, we would be pretty excited about Jeff Wilson. But unless we get to that point, not very usable in fantasy. But hey, guys, I mean, again, I've pushed against the injury-prone label for a long time, but if I had to just try to rank guys on being injury-prone, just saying, I don't think I get through that many running backs before I'm probably listening to Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan. So it's one of those things, Dwayne, I remember last year kind of whiffing on Ramondre Stevenson because I listed the six things that had to happen for him to ball out, and they all <laughs> kind of happened. So if Jeff Wilson's list is only at two men in that Miami Dolphins offense, I have certainly heard of worse bench stashes for down the stretch. So with that in mind, everyone, let's get into Sunday's action starting things off with the Falcons taking down the Saints 24 to 15 Atlanta obviously covered as one and a half point dogs the under cash here at 42 so Dwayne Bijan getting fed making things happen it was a great day for Arthur Smith slanderers of all shapes and sizes 91 yards and a tut on the ground also 32 yards and another BEA beautiful touchdown on a wheel route from Desmond Ritter no we didn't see too many great plays from Ritter he did have a great you know tight coverage pass to drake london at another point but two more interceptions and he now has the fourth worst turnover worthy play percentage in the nfl behind only pj walker t-bag and matt jones more interceptions with eight than passing touchdowns on the season at seven so again Dwayne, i think we've kind of seen enough from this falcons passing game to know we're not going to be getting too much upside in the year 2023 with all due respect to the occasional pop-up like we saw drake london had today with the 91 yards but for you was the Bijan Robinson big game? Was this a renaissance? Was this new usage? Or is this just Bijan Robinson still being really good at being really good at football and just happening to make the most out of his touches this week? Yeah, this is really just Bijan continuing to be really good. Now we had hoped that maybe he was going to take over this full-time role. So I think that's kind of what was happening on social media today. Mm -hmm. Before the bye week, we really saw Bijan in this lead role. And we thought, okay, maybe Arthur Smith's finally going to give him this. Then he comes out and he has this game. And I think people just kind of immediately put two and two together. And I, I can see how that happens. But now that I have a chance to actually look at the data from the game, it was really the same thing. He only had 40% of the rushing attempts today. Ian, 25% went to Tyler Algier. And 20% went to, uh, you know, your king, Corderell Patterson. Yeah. 18 carries between those two guys. And 16 for Bijan. So route participation was still solid. He almost got the 60% there. Where he really came through today was with a 30% target share. So he was one of the leaders on the team. He obviously scored that receiving touchdown. So the utilization did not change, but Bijan still really good at football. Um, I had hoped that maybe coming out of the bye that we would see this full-time role for Bijan, but that is not what happened. So I don't think there's an upgrade or anything that we can really do here. 
uh, game script went really well, and it just it you know he made his big plays, so it was a good thing for Bijan. I will say this: the last two games, his total opportunities, twenty six and twenty two, mm-hmm. that's his best two game stretch of the year. So I, I will say with utilization, it can be tricky sometimes. Like I lean more to the percentages because they tend to really tell you the more true story that can cut through game script and things like that. But there are cases like, I think the Cowboys are doing this right now. I think the bills do this with James cook yeah, where they are looking at it. They want to get them to a certain amount of touches. And then they're not worried about the percentages. They're like, Oh, like we got him to his 20. Oh, we got him to his 22, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's the one potential silver lining for Bijan here is if they're like, Hey, we want to get him 20 to 25 touches or 20 to 25 opportunities per game. If that's the case, then we've seen that for two weeks in a row. So just throw that one little caveat out there. That is sometimes the case. Hopefully more booms like this one sure is going to be, you know, a top three performance on the week on the way that said, Dwayne, even when, you know, he was riding a bit of the struggle bus there during the middle parts of the season, still someone just based on the usage, even then that was hard to fall too far down the ranks more. So, you know, this high end mid tier RB two. So Bijan, yeah, I know everyone. We want all of our fancy running backs to have 30 plus touches per game. This usage is perfectly fine though. As long as he keeps making, you know, as much as he is out of the touches on the season. Now five yards per carry that is, seventh among 54 qualified running backs Tyler Algier ranks 47th at just 3.5 for those counting at home not great but you mentioned our one true king Cordero Patterson Dwayne he looked fantastic out there if Kyle Brandt doesn't have him on the angry runs at least once if not <laughs> twice man I'm gonna be pissed and I'm also calling out the Falcons social media account I want an overhead camera shot of Cordero Patterson truck sticking some of those Saints defenders today do it you cowards not just Bijan give it to some of the other players you owe it to Cordero Patterson for that sweet, sweet camera shot. All right, I think that's about it over on the Falcons. Sadly, what we had going on in New Orleans is marred by injuries. Chris Olave was absolutely balling in the first half. Seven catches for 114 yards, and then he got concussed. And Dwayne, again, when you have that many yards in the first half, Derek Carr was doing great. You know, I had no complaints about it. I'd almost forgotten about, you know, how close we were to getting James Winston experience this week. But, man, to have that concussion come on an underthrown deep ball that forced Alave to have to come back and get the contested play, it was exactly what happened pretty much to Terry McLaurin last year or two years ago when Taylor Heineke waved him deep and then he didn't have the arm strength to get it out there. So, sucks to see, you know, ruled out with the concussion. Obviously going to be tough for him to come around and play in week 13 we've seen it Brock Purdy did it and we also had uh you know Alexander Madison do it this last week so not impossible but obviously uh you know percentages say he will be missing this one and also Rashid Shahid sadly suffered a thigh injury lest we forget Michael Thomas on IR with a knee even Juwan Johnson briefly left this game but he did return so Dwayne, we have Alvin Kamara, and that's fantastic I guess the answer here is just probably what the answer is for everything in New Orleans it's Taysom Hill <laughs> yeah, Taysom Hill had nine opportunities today. So nine opportunities meaning did he have a drop back? Did he have a target or did he have a rushing attempt? And it, he didn't have any passing plays today, no. but he had seven rushing attempts and then he had two targets. Still not a huge um, you know, route participation today. Um, it was really still more Juwan Johnson. I know he got hurt as well. How bad is Juwan Johnson's injury? Did he came play? back in, I believe. That's what I thought. Okay, because yeah. he was at 85% route participation. And then we saw Taysom at 30%. Like we've seen Taysom higher than that. We've seen him get in the 40, 50% range. Yep. So they were, they were using Lynn Bowden. Um, A.T. Perry had an 80% route participation. But like on the, on the Hill thing, getting the nine opportunities, 
that's really where he was at the sweet spot that he's been since week six. He's had 10, 10, 12. He had the blow up week in week nine where the game script went completely perfect and he had 17. Then he had five and the blowout loss to the Vikings, which really hurt. Uh, and then he had nine. So if they're in a close game, I think you can count on between, you know, dropbacks, rushing attempts, targets, you're going to see probably somewhere between nine and 12 opportunities for Taysom, which is going to make him a mid-range tight end one still um, because he gets the carries inside the five. Now they have not had carries inside the five for the last two games. So that obviously hurts his value whenever they can't get down and, you know, into scoring position, which if all these guys are hurt, Ian, ultimately that could end up hurting Taysom yeah. because if they can't move the ball as well, that could be a little bit of a factor for him as well. Again, Carr really was playing well in this first half, but he made one small mistake in the first half, Dwayne, and that was not even coming close to seeing Jesse Bates scoop in front of a slant and then take it all the way back to the house. So really was a bit of a closer game than I think that final scoreboard. But yeah, kudos to the uh, somehow, I believe, first place Atlanta Falcons. What a time to be alive. I will say on this one, Juwan Johnson could end up, if these guys are all going to miss a game, like Juwan Johnson... Like we've seen him play really good. He plays like a wide receiver. Yes. So I think like he becomes a guy that we would be talking about for, you know, emergency pickup kind of stuff. Again, we're having, we're going to have a week where we've got these six teams on (laughs) by. So do you want, I mean, we're going to have the Ravens out. So, I mean, that's Isaiah likely, but you've got Dalton Kincaid for the bills out. You got Cole Komet for the bears. Raiders and Michael Mayer, nobody's probably using him, but TJ Hawkinson for the Vikings. Yep. So there's there's some good tight ends that are going to be out. So Juwan Johnson is a name that could, you know, he could come through with something like six, seven, eight targets next week, catch you five, six balls. You're hoping you get lucky with a touchdown. But uh, I think he would definitely be in the low end tight end one conversation if these injuries play out to where we know some of these guys are missing next week. Season high 28 snaps out of the slot today. I mean, at some point, I understand, you know, backup wide receivers are even better than the number two RBs or the number three tight ends that we want to go get extra snaps in the slot. And we discuss it every freaking offseason. But truly, like Jawan Johnson, I mean, if they wanted to label him as a wide receiver, as a compliment based on what he can do as a route runner, I would not be hating that. So good stuff there, Mr. McFarlane. All right, guys, AFC North battle here. Steelers took down the Bengals 16 to 10, covering as two-point favorites. The undercash here at 36. 58 straight games without 400 plus total yards. That stat sounds fake. Maybe it is fake. I never double-checked it, but I heard it on the broadcast, Dwayne. Uh, first game in the post-Mac Canada era. Yeah they did it so really good game you know just relatively from kenny pickett i mean 278 yards and no touchdowns tough to say that you know with too much of a straight face but in all seriousness definitely should have had at least one touchdown on the board honestly man it's one of these things where you know catch the freaking ball and hold it through contact with the ground deontay johnson but apparently on the broadcast Dwayne, after deontay had the 15 yard score he took three steps got tackled and then didn't maintain it through the ground Gene Steratore said on TV that it should have been a touchdown. He was surprised the Steelers did not challenge it. So, you know, it's going to go in the record books as a drop. It sucks. I know Deontay hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt with this, you know, in the past. And also we had just hellaciously bad effort, like a play or two after this, where we had a fumble and then Deontay literally just stood there. And now he spent the evening uh, tweeting a lot of, you know, just stuff out there without his replies on. This comes after we got the report on Saturday, Dwayne, about him and Minka Fitzpatrick getting into it a bit after the game. A lot of uh, a lot of not great things there. I, I just had to go through uh, with Deontay Johnson that actually did feel relevant. So I don't think it hurt his playing time. I mean, he still went out there and had eight targets. He had a nice catch down the sideline. But yeah, man, uh, Steelers passing game. I guess it's just uh, Pat Fryermuth and everyone else now. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, it is the first game where we no longer have Matt Canada. So, yeah. okay. It's it's nice to see Mike Sullivan, the former quarterback coach, come in and play call, loosen things up a little bit. They were still pretty balanced. Um, they did pass the ball a little bit more than they ran. Um, you know, to your point, like season high, 278 yards for Pickett. Like, man, if Pickett can be a 250 yard per game guy, like that would go a long way towards supporting maybe two of these weapons per game. It's still probably going to leave one guy out. It can't be Firemuth, Pickens, and uh, Deontay Johnson every week, but you could get you could get two of them there with 250 yards. I mean, this how many is a guy times, that Dwayne, how many times do you think he's hit that this year, including today? 250? Yeah. This is probably the first time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's been bad, man. Like he's had multiple games under 200 up up until this week. Like he yes, was on he a has. he was in a major funk. So it's look, we'll see what happens. It's one game, but I'll take it, <laughs> you know, yeah, because they, there are some good weapons here. We would like to see these guys get the ball. You mentioned Pat Fryermuth, uh, almost a 70% route participation, not quite. So he's working his way back 67%, but man, a 34% target share, 11 targets today, 44% targets per route run. And we've seen Fryermuth ball out before. It's hard though, to get overly excited, even though he had this game where he gives you 21 fantasy points, because we know, Deontay Johnson is so good. We know that George Pickens showed us he was good earlier in the year, and I just worry that, great, Mike Sullivan, this is really nice, but can you truly keep Kenny Pickett in, in, in a spot where he can give us 250-plus passing yards per game? Because if not, I think there's still going to be a situation where we're not even going to look at Fryermuth as a low-end tight end one. He did have the full-time role this week, uh, correct? Because I know last week Connor Hayward and uh, Darnell Well, closer to it. Okay. Closer to it, 68% route participation today, 67.6. So not at the 80% we want, but like when you're just a baller and you're getting all these, yeah. you, you have that high of a targets per route run, that's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, we did see a step forward in utilization this week. As Adam Levitan would say, shout out Penn State with Pat Frymer doing his thing. Only 60 receiving yards coming in, but yeah, doubled that today. Obviously helped out anyone taking a chance on him on the waiver wire streets and or in DFS. In the backfield, Dwayne, a lot of talk actually coming in today that it was going to be more uses for George Pickens, which did not come to fruition. Just five targets on the day. And also more uses for Jalen Warren also didn't exactly happen. Now, maybe that was the plan, but again, and as we've kind of said throughout this conversation, Jalen Warren is playing incredible relative to every running back in the NFL. He was first coming in this game in yards per carry, missed tackles, force, explosive run play rate, anything you want to bring up. So, yes, when you put his numbers next to Najee, it's a freaking huge gap. It's a huge gap between him and almost any other running back out there. So, Najee running really hard today. 80 of his 99 yards on the ground came after contact. And guess what? Najee's actually been putting forward, you know, low key, uh, I want to say three or four low end RB1 performances in his last handful of games games in his own right uh Dwayne so talk about the backfield split and just the reality that they're doing a pretty good job of getting both these guys 15 plus carries and targets more weeks than not yeah really nothing changed to your point maybe that had to do with the fumble uh with Jalen Warren you know after the Deontay Johnson touchdown drop that next play was the Warren fumble yeah. um so that that could have something to do with it but this is really more of what we've seen and it's really hard to trust these pregame type of reports like this like they, I feel like a lot of these don't really come through whenever you get this sudden, oh, they want to get the ball more to this player or they're going to use this player more today. I, I know it's not all the time, 
Um, but it was a 53% of the snaps to Najee, 49% to Jalen Warren. We've basically been at a 50-50 for the last several weeks now. 50% of the rushing attempts to Najee Harris, and 43% went to Jalen Warren. Kenny Pickett also got in there a little bit as well. So, and to your point, Harris was playing really well today. 20% of his carries went for 10-plus yards. He had 15 totes, one rushing touchdown. At one point, I think he was over 100, and then he lost his yards. So, sorry Damn. if you needed that extra uh, the three-point bonus over on DK. I thought he had it, and then it was gone. But uh, pretty much still more of the same. So I don't think there's really anything, anything else for, for me to add here. Probably only cost someone like a million dollars or something like that. And, Dwayne, you are correct. I'm <laughs> looking at it now. Uh, 353 left in the fourth. His last carry of the game went for negative one yard. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the game wasn't like enough of a you know distance uh, between them for them to just go ahead and get him that one extra carry. Sorry, Najee. Um, other side of the ball, did get Jamar Chase, you know, 81 yards. Had a crazy, like, tip ball. Ends up catching it and then outrunning. Two of those. Defenders. He had two. Yeah, tip like, balls. just plays that reminded you of how freaking good this dude is in real life but also at the same time be like oh man gonna be tough to keep doing this every single week Dwayne so like at this point when you look at Jamar Chase and you look at Garrett Wilson is there that big of a difference in how we should just treat them on a week-to-week -week basis no no I mean I'm gonna give a slight edge to you know yeah yeah to Jamar Chase because he's Jamar Chase but let's be honest if Garrett Wilson had a really good quarterback this year, he might be the wide receiver one overall. Like, there's a chance that could be happening right now. He could be in that top tier next to JJ and Chase. Like, that could have happened. Yes, agree. And I think that that's the way we're going to need to draft him next year if we think that, you know, he's going to have a healthy, good quarterback. Like, yeah. we'll have to get, we'll get to that conversation whenever that time comes. <laughs> but, you know, Wilson's looked great. So that, I guess my point being saying that about Chase you know, isn't like a huge, you know, negative thing to him. Yes, it hurts. Right. You've lost your quarterback. You no longer, like with Joe Burrow, you have a chance for your team to throw for 300 to 400 yards a game. That's gone. I will say this, like Jake Browning, at least he didn't make like a complete fool of himself. True. You know, like he's not pushing the ball very far down the field, but he's been, his accuracy has been okay. He did get some lucky tips today. I think there were three or four <laughs> uh, that ended up being, there were at least two. There were receptions yeah. that I saw to chase. So it's it's a situation where we know it's a clear downgrade. Um, you're probably looking at a quarterback that's going to throw, we're hoping will throw for 220 yards a game, 200 to 225 yards per game. It's really hard to support, you know, especially once T. Higgins is back, two really good wide receivers on, you know, that many yards. So I, it's, it's a situation where, yeah, I think you've got to look at Jamar Chase at this point more as that mid-range wide receiver too low. I, I've been calling Garrett Wilson a low-end wide receiver too lately. I had him as far down as a uh, wide receiver three, but he mm -hmm. was getting so many targets. It's like, well, like, what can you do? Like if a guy earns 10 targets a game, you just got to have him in the wide receiver two conversation. Facing the Jaguars and the Colts over these next two weeks. Hey, I mean, that's a hell of a lot easier than coming in at halftime against the Ravens and then having to face TJ Watt and company. So I'm with you. I think, uh, you know, while the bar does remain fairly low, Jake Browning hasn't completely, you know, lit it on fire yet, which uh, we have not always seen when these backup quarterbacks need to get out there. I feel like T. Higgins might not be coming back, Dwayne. I don't know, man. Like they never gave I him wonder that. too. You know, give him that contract. It's not, I don't think it's a Justin Jefferson type of situation where, you know, one, the Vikings are more competitive and in the playoff race, you know, the record can say what the record says in Cincy, but you know, I'm sure T wants to get out there and play football, but you know, I just wouldn't be shocked if an agent's in his ear, like don't go put four games of foam out there. If you're not at 110% with this quarterback situation, you know? Yeah. Cause T's going to get paid. Like it's coming. Yeah. 
So yeah, I it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. They did use more heavy tight end groupings today. Um, mm. so Tyler Boyd, like his route participation was below seventy percent. Uh, they had yeah, they were using a lot of Irv Smith, Tanner Hudson. Uh, you know, Drew Sample caught a touchdown. So th they're they're having to change their offense up right now. It's not it's not going to be anything like what we got used to. Uh, well, over the last couple of years. If anyone wants to get the uh, small sample size jokes with Jake Browning and Drew Sample, go ahead. I'm not going to go for it, but there is a market <laughs> for that, and uh, I would not, uh, you know, hate it. Joe Mixon, you know, only 10 touches out here, so still very much dominating utilization. I know he didn't exactly get it going in the efficiency department, and guess what? When we're not going to have scoring upside either, that is why Joe Mixon is much more of a volume-based low-end RB2 than even coming close to approaching that top 12 conversation these days. But, yeah, guys, the team, the Bengals, went two for 10 on third downs hard to keep drives going when you got that going on and honestly wouldn't be that surprising if we do again get several more days like this moving forward so hopefully again plenty of volume going here to chase down the stretch but other than him yeah might just be a lot of, answering a lot of star sick questions involving Bengals with the other guy here for the foreseeable future Next matchup, we had the Titans take down the Panthers 17 to 10. Titans covered uh, as three and a half point favorites, the under cash here at a lowly 36. So, not really any meaningful uh, kind of utilization notes here, Dwayne. I mean, it really is just same old, same old on both sidelines. Shout out to Derrick Henry, two touchdowns in this one, really starting to get grinding as he usually does down the stretch over the course of his career. 3.9 yards per carry in September, 4.6 in October, five in November, and you betcha. 5.5 in december and january so love that because honestly that's the only thing it's been you know easy to love in tennessee let's face it throughout the better part of the last uh, half decade with all due respect to ajb and some other guys so the will levis experience isn't going quite as great obviously it's not going to be thrown for four touchdowns each and every week out there but at this point man ryan Tannehill is averaging more yards per attempt at a better completion rate and with better you know turnover worthy play and big time throw rates so not even sure levis is necessarily giving them this major you know just bump in overall efficiency at this point which sucks but it is what it is and yeah bryce young statistically is the worst quarterback in the nfl more or less you can blame that on whoever you want but that just is a fact and per will kunkel i'm told frank reich uh frank reich's coaching seat is quote unquote on fire so love the <laughs> love that uh report Dwayne. so any thoughts here on the one Panthers year man titans <clears throat> yeah, I mean, CJ Stroud keeps balling, and that, I think that's what's got uh, Frank Reich's uh, coaching seat on fire. <laughs> he's not getting the same thing out of Bryce Young. I think we can all. I think we can all look with our eyeballs and tell you that uh, CJ Stroud has a much better receiving core. Not that we knew that that would be the case with a mm -hmm. guy like Tank Dell. Nobody knew that he was going to necessarily be a superstar until he started doing what he's doing. Uh, of course, we love. We were Nico Collins supporters, but Always. the uh, Adam Thielen experience uh, definitely kind of went in the ditch this this weekend uh Ian, it was a struggle last week you know he comes out and he manages to still give you fantasy points against you know just a, a really tough cowboys defense uh but it wasn't good was not good today he only had three targets but he nothing changed he was out there 95 percent route participation but he just did not get the targets today i know i think i saw an, uh, a note from josh norris he said he was going to watch some film and post it tomorrow but from what he was seeing it looked like there was a lot of bracket coverage on Thielen, which it seems like everyone would just do that because he's been their entire offense 
Josh is posting that film tonight. I want Josh's hookup for all 22, Dwayne. All of us. Yeah, me too. All of us casuals got to wait till 6 p.m. on Monday when Game Pass releases it. And we got this dude on Sunday evening. So love you, Josh. Sorry about your Panthers. Uh, but yeah, man. So Chuba Hubbard, Dwayne, did go out there and have, you know, kind of the most productive game really for anyone in Carolina. Ended up getting 92 total yards and scored a touchdown. That said, still not completely separating from Miles Sanders. Hey, Chuba, I think some people are going to be half to starting him, you know, in the flex, particularly next week with all those aforementioned buys, but no major difference. It's just kind of been bumping back and forth a little bit over the last month. Chuba is the guy we're going to be ranking higher, but again, either way, well, not for the last, guys, we should be dying for. for the last two games. Like Chuba had taken over the backfield right. for the last two games. It's really been a split again. Um, so, I mean, Miles Sanders today had 47% of the rushing attempts at 15. He didn't do anything with him. He gave you 2.8 fantasy points versus Chuba's 20.2. But when you look at Chuba Hubbard, he had 44%. So Miles was slightly in the lead, 15 carries versus 14. Snaps were also, uh, you know, they were closer, but it was really more Chuba Hubbard. Chuba does get the passing down work, 68% mm -hmm. route participation versus Miles Sanders, 18%. So the rushing attempts over the last two games have essentially been split, but Chuba still getting the passing down work. That's weird. I thought that was decided back in March when we had that leaked conversation <laughs> that he would never get the pass down work. Oh, that's that's kind of funny. All right. Chickie Conquo did have one sheesh, got tackled at the one-yard line. That sucks. And last point, I just thought this was interesting. Uh, Titans, when they have Tajay Spears on the field this year, they have a 73% pass play rate. When Derrick Henry is on the field, it's all the way down there at 43%. So, I don't know, Dwayne, I'm just a fantasy football analyst, but a 30% difference in pass play rate based on the running back standing next to the QB. Certainly seems pretty significant. But enough of that. Moving right along, we had the Colts take down the Buccaneers 27 to 20. They did cover as two and a half point favors. The overcashed here at a lowly 44 and a half. So Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman balling out in a Colts offense that is tied with the Texans and Chiefs for the 10th most offensive points this year. Offensive took out all the defensive, you know, BS going on there. This group, first with Anthony Richardson and now with Gardner Minshew, actually consistently putting up points so i know Minshew, you know hardly a franchise quarterback but you know give the guy a little bit of credit here at least for getting the ball into his playmakers hands really doing so with michael pittman now tied with tyree kill with eight games with at least eight receptions on the year now on pace to catch 117 passes for 1211 yards certainly in that upside volume based wide receiver two conversation especially in full ppr but another name to really watch in this passing game Dwayne. not that we haven't you know already said everyone to go pick him up i remember seeing him as the fantasy life waiver wire edition of the week you know like a freaking month ago but for josh downs to come out here and really not even look like you know the number two but the one b behind michael Pittman, man could be a situation where we start looking at the stretch run for this indianapolis team facing the titans the Bengals, the steelers the falcons the raiders the texans not secondaries that are exactly striking you know the living fear into us here maybe josh downs can start doing his best tank Dell impersonation yeah, 13 targets today, 33% target share. And to your point, really more of a 1A, 1B. We saw that kind of as a trend um, until we had the injury in week nine. And then he was also continued to be limited with the knee injury in week 10. He had one and three targets in those games. But in the stretch before that, six, eight, six, nine. So this was a guy that really was, you know, in his target shares, 25%, 15, 27%, 24%. He was showing us that like this is he he can earn targets. He can come out here and he can play well. You mentioned how how well the offense overall has played. 
And I think this is something for him that, you know, he's, I'm going to still have him probably, I've got to look at it in the morning when I write up the utilization stuff, I'm going to have him in the wide receiver three range, but he's definitely going to give you wide receiver two performances. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like with Josh Downs real quickly, um, on the rushing and the run game, you know, mm -hmm. today, um, with Jonathan Taylor before the bye week we saw those two games where it essentially all went over to Taylor. It was the Zach was Moss roll. Yeah, he did not have that today. He still led the way. 57% of the snaps, 58% of the rushing attempts. But Zach Moss, and Zach Moss, look, he's played well. He deserves to get a little bit of run, you know, with Jonathan Taylor. So JT was still the lead back, but but Zach Moss got 31% of the rushing attempts and had 41% of the snaps. Both guys played really well. I know you got some good notes here on the efficiency and stuff, but JT, I know that he didn't have that, you know, 80% of the rushing attempts, but this was definitely from an efficiency standpoint. He looked great today. Season high, five missed tackles for us on the ground. It was the second best game of the year in yards per carry and yards after contact per carry and a season high four explosive runs. So couldn't agree with you more, Dwayne. And again, all this is doing is taking Jonathan Taylor probably from being a guy that we could actually rank as the overall RB1 to being someone that's going to be a bit closer to the RB10 spot, maybe even RB5 spot, depending on the week. So still all in all good. We're getting 15 to 20 touches for Jonathan Taylor every week. That's great. Would it be a lot cooler if it was 25-30? Yes, but as we've seen, you know, more times than not, not always a given that this one week, you know, usage is going to be the main thing moving forward. Anyway, I think that's about all I got on Indy. Josh Downs probably could have had a two-yard touchdown. Wasn't the best throw from Minshew after he got the team down there in the first place. But yeah, otherwise, on the uh, Tampa Bay side of the ball, Baker Mayfield, early ankle injury, but returned and played through it. So yeah, maybe we see Kyle Trask get a few extra snaps in practice. But Baker took six sacks today. I'm sure he's going to be sore, thinking he's going to be tough enough to suit up through it. And yeah, man, otherwise, in Tampa, Rashad White, first 100-yard rushing game of the season and second of his career fifth straight game with 100 plus total yards and or a touchdown 89 percent snap rate Dwayne I mean if there is ever guy that is just getting dream utilization it's Rashad White and credit to him for giving us what four or five RB1 performances in a row at this point yeah I mean it's one of those deals where you always say follow the volume even if a guy is very inefficient, he can still have games like this where he can come through. But he's been looking a little bit better as a runner over the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see where this ends up going with him or if he just kind of you know reverts back to his old ways. But yeah, I mean, when you have 79% of the team's rushing attempts, like, and this is not a new trend. Like he's been getting 70, 80% of the carries pretty much every week. And you get the route participation like what we saw today, 82%. And he's a guy that can get involved in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, look, what are we going to say? Like he is a, he's a running back too. next week. He'll be an RB one yeah. because we're going to have so many other teams on by Mike Evans guys. Two more touchdowns, 70 yards and six catches. Probably could have even had three. I mean, he actually got down just short of the goal line. And when they showed the replay, I thought he was actually still rolling on top of bodies while he crossed the end zone. There was two or three plays today where I really think that the players were in the end zone, but the coaches just rushed to run the next play. So we didn't get to see that happen. So very shishi afternoon in the Hardest household, that's for sure. Baker also was just short on that same sort of sequence. And on later on the same drive, Chris Goblin dropped 
off a three-yard touchdown. So Chris Goblin now, guys, 79 targets with just one touchdown. That is the most in the NFL among wide receivers. Shout out Evan Ingram for having 79 targets with zero touchdowns this season. Also, shout out tight end Payne Durham, a name I just learned today. He was just short on a potential score. Really nice contested catch, though, and ended up getting a score from Mike Evans on the next play. So I'm pretty sure we all just prefer that. So sorry, Buccaneers country. Can't bake today. But again, just the fact that we got Rashad White and Mike Evans giving us so much fantasy goodness, far more weeks than not. We appreciate Baker Mayfield for that. Game of the week up next. No, I'm just kidding. Giants took down the Patriots 10-7. <laughs> to 7. They did cover us four-and-a-half-point dogs. The under cashed at 36-and-a-half. So Tommy DeVito just keeps on winning. I love the celly and everything, but my God, can just get rid – throw the ball away every now and then, man. He took six <laughs> more sacks. Like, think about the big deal that we've all made for good reason about Sam Howell's sacks and everything this year because he's on pace to take an NFL record 78 sacks David Carr holds the record at 76 right now if you take the 17 game pace for Tommy DeVito 95 sacks and a ton of them guys have been his fault and we can kind of help measure this by looking at how often quarterbacks were able to turn pressure dropbacks into sacks or just hopefully avoid those sacks guys like Patrick Mahomes you're always going to see at the very bottom of the list 47% of DeVito's pressures this year have turned into sacks. That is the highest mark in the NFL by 15 whole percentage points. Daniel Jones is actually the second worst, so maybe a problem in the QB room. But, yeah, Dwayne, are you uh, are you buying the Tommy DeVito renaissance, or do we just see uh, you know two very sad excuses for football teams in the Patriots and Commanders actually make the New York football giants look, you know, if not competent, at least a winning football team for uh, two straight afternoons? I really don't want to talk about this team, um, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I will say this. Jalen Hyatt had his best game of the there season. There we go. He gave 15.9 fantasy points. Darius Slayton, you know, was doubtful for this game. Um, I, I don't think there was a tweet on Darius Slayton saying beyond, you know, or uh, against all odds like it was for Max Crosby playing with his doubtful tag. But we that is pretty rare. We had two guys with doubtful tags end up playing this weekend. Madness. Uh, yeah, so... Slayton might have been in a little bit lesser role because really he had been the guy getting like 85% route participation. I've already talked too long about the Giants. Jalen Hyatt had a nice day, had a 25% target share, 26% targets per route run, five catches, 109 yards. So there, that's all I have to say. 24.4 a dot on the season now Dwayne. that's a full five <laughs> yards higher than anyone else. All bangers all the time for Ken. If you watch this college film, it actually makes sense. Hey, he's catching a lot of them, man. He's caught four of his seven contested balls, 19.6 yards per reception. Maybe one day we can see him with, you know, not Tommy DeVito on the other end there. But, you know, hey, winners write the history books. Good for you, New York Giants. Over with the Patriots, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi combined to throw three interceptions. Mac Jones benched after his two in the first half, and Zappi came in, just really seized control of the moment, Dwayne, and had a 2.3-yard average target depth the rest of the game. Did not throw a single pass more than 20 yards downfield. So, yeah, just a uh, very, very sad New England. Other than Ramondre Stevenson, three straight games with 100-plus total yards, Dwayne. A big zero such performances in weeks one through eight. Ramondre, if there is a legit bump in usage going on in New England right now, it seemed like he was the guy that was getting it. Dude, is this correct? Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi combined to score negative 0.28 fantasy points? <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> Sounds right. T team quarterback leagues in shambles. <laughs> Oh my God. You're like, yep, checks out. 
All right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about Mondre. That is the bright spot here for the <laughs> Patriots. Uh, he did have a season high today in snaps, 78%. Season high in rushing attempts, 68%. It is worth noting because they were coming out of the bye week. And sometimes that's where we see some of these changes. Really nothing else to discuss, though. Um, Zeke still was on the field, got some snaps. Uh, and obviously, if you're playing in this offense, you need all the snaps you can get to have any sort of chance to be any good. So we'll see what happens with Mondre over the next few games. But uh, nothing else on the Patriots. It was a wide receiver rotation. Demario Douglas was doing his thing. He hit the over on his receiving props. If you were if you were needing that, I think it was at forty six and a half. He got he got past concussed. That. He got and he got hurt. As well. yeah. Yes, <laughs> he got hurt before that happened. So then he was knocked out of the game. But uh, nothing nothing else. Everybody else just kind of mixed in. Taekwong Thornton mixed in. Uh, Kayshawn Booty mixed in. Uh, Juju Smith was mixing in, but. No, no clear new trends here. And even if there was like, you know, could we couldn't make any sort of recommendation from it because we just talked about the quarterbacks. Only other note is Devontae Parker. Dwayne uh, caught six or three balls for 42 yards. That's not going to be usable week, but uh, I want to remind everyone how dumb I was for uh, drafting him in round 18 so often a couple uh, months ago. So, yeah, I think uh, think that about does it in that dumpster fire of a game. Let's talk about something way more cool. Jaguars taking down the Texans 24-21, to 21, covering as one-and-a-half-point favorites. The under did cash here at 48. So, Dwayne, we didn't get a chance to talk last weekend. The time before that, we were, you know, being, I think, deservedly, fairly harsh uh, with Trevor Lawrence and kind of what he's done this year. But he's probably played his best two games this season since we have talked. Just looking at it, he is PFF's third highest grade QB behind only Dak Prescott. And before Sunday night, Justin Herbert over these past two weeks, the 8.9 yards per attempt ranks third. He's going out there. He's doing his thing. And honestly, man, there were moments today where he should have had even bigger counting numbers. I mean, Christian Kirk, my goodness, before halftime, wild 50-yard catch and run down the sideline, gets tackled at the one, and then ETN gets stuffed on the follow-up. Also had a Calvin Ridley drop 30-yard touchdown. And yeah, man, so while we don't see, again, the craziest counting numbers out of Trevor Lawrence, only the one touchdown passing, 364 through the air, look good doing it. And now we have three freaking rushing touchdowns over these past two weeks. So love his willingness just to jump over, you know, just pretty much dunk the ball in whoever's head. Trevor Lawrence, Dwayne, we've seen this before. Last year, he had two or three, you know, two or three or four game stretches where he started looking really good, and then he kind of came back to earth. But credit where credit's due. He's playing some great football here. Yeah, I I think he works his way back into the low-end QB1 conversation. I still don't think you can put him anywhere near Stroud or some of these other guys, or Dak, the way they're playing right now. I think they're clearly like a step ahead. We haven't gotten the huge multiple touchdown games. Like, so today, even though we got, you know, 364 yards passing, only one passing touchdown. Now, you mentioned he was one yard away from having two. Um, So, I mean, it it was close, but yeah, it's good. We're seeing him, you know, take that step forward. And it's good for all of the weapons because we've talked about it many times. Like, if he's going to be a 235 yard per game guy, then there's no way that we can really feel good about Christian Kirk plus. Calvin Ridley plus Evan Ingram. But if he can be someone that can show us that he can push for 300 yards, which he's done now in three out of the last four games. So he had 292, he had a stinker at 185, then 262. And again, where basically they let their foot off the gas. Like he was on his way to having mm-hmm. 300 yards in that game against the Titans. They just didn't have to. And then 364 yards today. So if he can be close to what he's doing over these last four games even with that one bad game in there then this is really nice for the rest of the 
offensive options because now that pushes Christian Kirk. These were guys that when we started the season, we're like, oh man, these are like all these are these are really strong wide receiver yeah. twos. There was a point where we thought Calvin Ridley was a wide receiver one. And then they got to the point where it's like, man, are these guys even wide receiver threes? Like, what are we <laughs> doing with these people? So I think this puts them at, you know, more towards that high end wide receiver three, like, and one of them is probably going to be in the wide receiver two conversation each week. I don't think we'll always know which one it's going to be, whether it's Ridley or whether it's going to be, um, you know, Evan Ingram going off or if it's going to be, you know, Christian Kirk, but this, it is good news for the entire team. So it's an upgrade for everybody. Back-to-back great games by Calvin Ridley. Mentioned the drop 30-yard touchdown. That was part of a goose egg first half. But just what, from what I've heard, Dwayne, Zay Jones gave one hell of a halftime speech and just really inspired Ridley to uh, get going Do people there. really believe this? Because, you know, I've been a little bit unplugged with some family stuff going on. But, like, is there – people really do believe that Zay Jones is the reason or is this a joke? I, I thought it was kind of a joke at first, but people kept bringing it up throughout the week and, like, <laughs> were seemingly unironically going through it. It's as uh, – and like the craziest part too is Dwayne, like the two other games I went into this whopping three game sample with Zay Jones, like Zay Jones got hurt in those games. They weren't even full contest. Ridley scored his second touchdown last week and Zay Jones wasn't on the field. This wasn't a hard one. You know, didn't have to go get your detective license to figure this one out, guys. This, this was every bit as correlated as the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift staff, but just not nearly as fun. That's what we were working with here. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll go back. Hopefully everybody will go back to just making it fun this week. All right, cool. Yeah, please just make it fun. I'm all here for the Calvin Ridley look. He's being used in different alignments. You can look at more of the route diversity and things like that going on. I just refuse to believe that the return of Zay Jones caused the coaching staff to do that. So, hey, Calvin Ridley, a guy that has boomed this season, has now done so in consecutive weeks against the Titans, against the Texans. Dwayne still seems like a boomer bust wide receiver three for me here. You know, he's boomed, but we've also seen the bus not quite ready to just completely crown his ass. It's good to see it. He's now on pace to go for 1,024 yards and eight touchdowns. If he hits those numbers, that's not, you know, not a bad uh, just payment, maybe at late, late August value, but third or fourth round earlier, not so shabby. Ridley, boomer bust wide receiver three for you, or are we back in wide receiver two? Season no, no, three? yeah, that's where he's at. No, that's where he's at. I, I think, you know, the highest I think you can push him is into the high end wide receiver three range but probably more like what you're saying mid-range wide receiver three with that boom bust potential um obviously depending on you know the week and the matchup things like that the one other thing i'll say about the jaguars and you you may have covered this you know last week but darren dearness johnson really does look like the cuff to etn like i i don't know that he would get full-blown everything if etn went down like i think you're gonna see some tank bigsby in that scenario like tank's probably gonna have a larger role mm-hmm. the bigsby has just played so poorly every time he's been given a chance and dearness johnson's actually playing really good with his opportunities and this is a guy that we saw a couple of years ago in cleveland you know make it a situation where every time we thought oh man nick chubb nick chubb's gonna get all the work this weekend we have no kareem hunt and this guy dearness johnson would step in and be like no nah, like i'm i'm really good too so we've seen him in a small sample in the past play really well so I think Johnson is a guy that if you're like looking for like a sneaky kind of pickup for late in the season, that if something happened to a starter, that could be one, you know, injury away. Not that we want anyone to get hurt from being, you know, someone that we're ranking as a running back to and maybe having RB one upside. I think is Dearness Johnson. 
we saw him handle it before. Those did come with Chubb and Hunt out, so it definitely helped there. I kind of think it devolved into this three-headed mess of Dearness, Bigsby, and probably even Jermichael Hasty coming back. Well, but Hasty's Hasty's gone, isn't he? Or did he resign? I think he's just on the practice squad. But you know what? Okay, I, I thought really... he went to the Patriots. So if if I miss, I like I said, I was a little bit unplugged. On no, the you're movie. actually right. I'm the idiot here. He is on the Patriots. So my bad. Yeah, and now I can officially stop ruining my. Travis well, I think he would get the passing down work for sure, yeah. and I think you'd be looking at a back that might get half the rushing attempts too and yeah. then i think bigsby's probably getting 30 to 40 percent of the rushing attempts maybe being really annoying and stealing the carries inside the five yard line but hey we, we we've heard that scenario before and <laughs> we, we thought bigsby might be stealing carries inside the five from etn and that's not been the case um so i i, I like the skill set of dearness johnson because he has that every down upside i don't think we have that with bigsby so i think there, there's a chance Final note here is actually giving uh, ETN a little bit of respect because as easy as it would be to look at his yards per carry numbers and, and conclude he's now bad at football. I actually learned this from the great Mike Renner, formerly of PFF, where when we looked at ETN's numbers at Clemson, he put forward his least efficient season in his final year. And if you actually just took the difference he was getting in yards before contact per carry in the previous year versus his more down senior year, you actually saw that yards per carry gap, gap quickly get made up for. And that's what we're seeing this year. Last season, Jacksonville, top five unit in yards before contact per rush at 1.9. This year, all the way down there at 0.8. Bottom four offense joined the Panthers, Titans, and Buccaneers. So certainly not all on Travis Etienne. And again, if you take that 1.1 yards per carry difference, you now see him up there at 4.8, not too far removed from his 5.1 mark as a rookie. So shout out to Etienne, still getting force-fed the football, had a little bit of a chest injury. And yeah, to Dwayne's point, not a bad time to maybe look a little bit harder at the Ernest Johnson in leagues of bigger sizes. Okay, I think we can go ahead and talk CJ Stroud a little bit, hobbling around, you know, through it there at the end. But at you know, this point in the season, who isn't hobbling just a tad? So King State Kings, Dwayne, and obviously Stroud has been royal for the majority of 2023 on pace for 5,047 yards now and 29 touchdowns. That would shatter Andrew Luck's, you know, rookie record of 4,374. Justin Herbert's 31 touchdown marks certainly still in his range of outcomes. And yeah, Tank Dell and Nico Collins both doing really big things out here today it was nico leading the way with 104 yards and a touchdown but tank Dell, man like he just he has these really good games and you're proud of him and everything but when you watch it you're like holy shit he could have gone for like 200 yards and how many of these games out here so he had a sick 62 yard catch yeah. where it was just third and 15 Stroud said F it, chucked it down the middle of the field. Awesome catch and like an illegal shift, ticky-tacky illegal shift call, took it off the board. And there's even another play where Stroud was rolling out and Dell had a step downfield. Not sure it would have been, you know, the 75-yard house call, but could have been a 50-yard at least gain with a more accurate throw from C.J. Stroud. So, again, certainly doing his thing out there. And right now, Dwayne, 15th in yards per route run among all wide receivers. Nico Collins up there tied for seven. So all these guys balling, everyone's great in this offense. Loves CJ Stroud. There's so much production to go around. And this was going so great, Dwayne, week in and week out, that it actually forced me, the biggest Dalton Schultz hater in the whole industry, to come around on the guy and not only just treat him as a top six tight end but to praise him admit i was wrong like 10 times only to see that he's now apparently stuck back in a committee with brevin jordan it's this really <laughs> just happened Dwayne. Did i really just trade for this yeah. dude in my home league only to watch brevin freaking jordan take this away from me i couldn't have waited one more week on this bullshit 
it'll probably go away and it'll come back to Dalton Schultz for whatever reason. It did happen this week though. 48% route participation versus 44% for Brevin Jordan. Now Brevin Jordan's missed some time over these last few games. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think the Texans know like they're paying Dalton Schultz and he plays really good every time they let him play. If they're really going to turn this into him and Brevin Jordan sharing time, it seems I, I, I can't really get wrap my head around that with as well as Schultz has played. So Obviously, we'll have to monitor it. We'll have to wait and see. But for now, I'm going to treat this as a, as it's you know just a blip on the radar. Uh, I'm not going to freak out in the leagues where I've got Dalton Schultz. Uh, got quite a few of those in Best Ball Mania. <laughs> He's actually been like one of my lone bright spots on some of these teams, like holding them in there. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. But for now, I'm just gonna I, I'm I'm not going to overreact. Maybe he was banged up or something. I didn't see. Yeah, anything. I looked. I couldn't find anything. But uh, you know, usually with Twitter. Like you'll see, like if there's anything like that or anybody's getting looked at, we get a tweet like from somebody. I didn't see anything, but that was my, I was wondering the same thing. Wasn't even out there on the game winning drive. That was the weirdest part for me. And I mean, not the game winning drive, but you know, their final drive trying to move down the field still had Brevin Jordan on it. Certainly a situation to be monitoring. So yeah, uh, I guess the other main point here, Dwayne, because again, as we know, going to be a lot of passing production to go around in Houston, but Devin Singletary, no, didn't exactly pop in the box score, did add six catches for 54 yards, end up getting down to the one yard line, not once, but twice on the same drive before sadly not getting to convert that touchdown. Really didn't see his role change, Dwayne. Offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick told us that they're going to be using a committee. Was not the case this week. Devin Singletary, 81% of the snaps. Damian Pierce, just 19%. So I will say Damian Pierce, he practiced in full all week, but he was still listed as questionable, which is the only thing that kind of concerns me, Dwayne. We have seen running backs get brought back, ease back into action a little bit, and then see things go back to normal in future weeks. I think that is what we're looking at here. Very good news for Singletary, though, either way. He certainly seems like he definitely took that lead back job. Well, you mentioned 81% of the snaps, and most of that came because of his 77, his 76% route participation. But when you just look at the rushing attempts, it was six for Singletary, 33%, and five for Damian Pierce at 28%. Now, Stroud had six scrambles today, so that's getting mixed in there. But if you're just looking at the running back touches today, Tank Dell also had one attempt. It was really close and just the opportunities from that perspective. But seeing Singletary get to take that passing down work, even if Damian Pierce evens things up and they're kind of sharing things 50-50 on the ground, that was kind of what we had always hoped for Pierce. We're like, fine, like Singletary can have, you know, 45% of the rushing attempts. We'd be okay with that if he could have all the passing down work. And so but that's what we used to say about Pierce. And now Singletary is getting that. It's going to be tough to get this consistent work in the passing game as a running back in this offense for a few reasons. One, you've got multiple other really good targets. You've already talked about Tank Dell, yeah. talked about Nico Collins, you got Dalton Schultz, you got Noah Brown, who didn't even play today, who's been really playing well. So there's a lot of guys to get the ball to. You're not going to necessarily just check it down to some dude in the flat uh, against most teams. You're going to have to be playing a secondary that can force you to go to that read. So I think there will still be games, even though Singletary is getting that route participation. I don't see a scenario where he continues getting this many targets. Having said that, if he can get somewhere between, you know, and today, you know, the, the game script really took away some of the, some of the, you know, ability, not ability, but the, you know, the coach's decisions to continue running the ball for the Texans and yeah. Stroud's just playing so well, like you should throw the ball. Like that's <laughs> really what you should be doing. But I think Singletary, this, this has been happening, you know? 
Yeah, Singletary will have a chance to get somewhere between eight and 12 rushing attempts per game. And then I think he can give you two to three targets per game. And in an offense like Houston, that can still be a usable piece. But to your point, we'll have to wait and see because Damian Pierce was coming off of the injury. Just two other quick shooters I forgot to mention before we move on. I don't think it, it wasn't like a layup 54-yard touchdown or anything, but there was on one of Dalton Schultz's only two targets. Maybe could have been a 54-yard score with a perfect pass. He breaks a tackle at a minimum, a 30-plus yard game with a more accurate pass from Stroud. And also, Evan Ingram mentioned before, 79 targets this year without a touchdown. Guys, in second place is Jonathan Mingo at 55. So massive gap there. Got open. Literally sick little stick move back of the end zone. One of T-Law's rare bad throws of the day. Could have, should have, wouldn't have been a five-yard touchdown. Instead, still scoreless on the year. Hate to see that. Lucy got paid in the offseason, though, so you can, you know, use all those dollar bills to wipe away those tears. Late afternoon games now. Broncos took down the Browns 29-12. to That is a scorigami, everyone. Gotta love when we get one of those. Still barely know what that word means, but, you know, we are working through it. So Broncos covered as two-point favorites. The overcast here at 37.5. So not a ton here, Dwayne. I mean, Russ is on pace for 31 passing touchdowns. The Broncos have won five straight. The defense hasn't allowed more than 22 points in a game since week five. I respect all that. But, you know, it'd be a lot cooler if we could, I guess, maybe get some more explosive performances out of this team i know i know Cortland Sutton's have more good games than not and he did actually drop a nine-yard touchdown today so almost kept that you know just kind of wild games with a touchdown mark going this year but otherwise man it's just javante williams continuing to put up the sort of usage that we want to see and maybe just not getting quite as much as we wanted out of it so he did briefly have a neck injury in the first quarter, but just looking at the utilization, Dwayne certainly didn't seem to impact anything. I would just hope that we are going to see better days to come for Javante Williams because earlier on in the year, he didn't exactly look like himself from just a pure health standpoint. And we didn't always have the role working in his favor this much. I mean, wasn't that long ago where Jaleel McLaughlin looked like the best running back in Denver and we were actually wondering if he was going to make this more of a, you know, true 1A, 1B, 1C situation. It's the Javante show now. Do you think we can actually get some upside rb1 production down the stretch yeah i think there's a chance um you know and after that neck injury he did lose two carries inside the five yard line so i think javante would have probably been the guy in there because we haven't seen p ryan coming in and getting work inside the five he did get those two touches today but it was after that injury so you're probably I, we can't say for sure but p ryan did score he scored a touchdown on one of those carries so you're you're just you know unfortunate timing of the injury you're yeah. probably due for a javante rushing touchdown which we just haven't got to see very often this season what is he at like one this year in um but so zero looking at zero he's still at zero I he's caught two he's caught two he has not oh yeah well, he caught two okay he caught two all right cool so it's a situation though where he's gonna be in line for somewhere between 15 and 20 touches a week so by the nature of just like if you look at the history of guys that give 15 to 20 touches per week like they're gonna they're gonna be borderline running back one so yeah i do think that this is a good situation for javante and just the whole style of the way that the broncos play now they're very committed to it they're very committed to the way they want to play russell wilson is pretty much just a game manager at this point their defense is playing a lot better they want to get the ball to their backs in the run game and they want to hand it to them. Like no team is throwing the ball more to like their entire backfield than what Denver does. So he's got not just a chance to, to get these carries. He also has an opportunity to get targets pretty much every week as well. 
last five games are going to face the Texans, the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, and the Chargers again uh, throughout the end of this fantasy season. So two matchups against the Chargers in the final four weeks, Dwayne. Don't hate that for some potential late season breakout goodness. On the Cleveland side of the ball, bunch of injuries here. DTR wasn't exactly playing fantastic. Did have to deal with some, you know, by some, I mean a lot of drops actually. David Njoku, several out there, including what should have been a short four-yard touchdown. Second straight week where he dropped the touchdown also another drop on a big potential yak play even amari cooper couldn't get a, a two-point conversion to actually come down in his hands so hate to see that but yeah lit up and concussed only to be, only to be replaced by pj walker speaking of amari cooper he did suffer a rib injury oh yeah also kareem hunt was banged up at one point i think he returned but again just a situation where he's kind of been on and off the injury report ever since signing with the browns so probably yeah, far less than 100 and oh yeah Dwayne, if it couldn't get any worse Miles Garrett, quote unquote, felt something pop in his shoulder and he was in a sling after the game. Not great. I know the uh, seven and four Browns without Deshaun Watson probably, you know, can look themselves in the mirror and know that they weren't going to be legit, you know, contenders in the AFC. But man, when you take away Garrett from this, Dwayne, I mean, that just changes the entire identity of this team and just what we could even expect going week in and week out. This Browns defense goes from being legit, maybe the best in the NFL without Miles Garrett, man. I'm not saying they're going to go to 32nd or anything, but again, this would make it far tougher for guys like DTR and PJ Walker to keep these games competitive enough to hopefully get something more out of Jerome Ford if he keeps dominating uses like he did today. Yeah, and that's been the thing that's been so interesting with the Browns. Usually if you have quarterback play, play like what they've had for most of the season, these are teams that struggle to run like 55 plays per game. But the Browns, because their defense has been so good, the time of possession for them, they've been the number one time of possession team in the NFL, which is crazy <laughs> with the quarterbacks that they've had playing. And that's enabled some of these guys to remain fantasy relevant. So, yeah, I do think that Miles Garrett is a major factor um, because we know that the pass rush has a massive effect on the opposing team's passing game. So that's a that's going to be a situation to monitor. But with Jerome Ford, we did see him get 39% of the rushing attempts today. Kareem Hunt went crowd surfing, and that's when he really hurt himself. He went to do a hurdle, and he ended up like just like up in the air. It looked like he was at a concert and then he, I, he was kind of holding his hip. They never said what it was. He got he so was high on that play, man. That was like some job at best <laughs> shit from back in the day. It was. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see here, but it's, it's Ford is the lead back. He had 70% of the rush of the snaps, 39% of the rushing attempts, but most of this is coming because he had 77% of the route participation. Cream hunt did still get the carry inside the five. That's really been his role over the last six games. So Jerome Ford, Slight lead in the rushing department, gets most of the passing down work, but then he gives way to Kareem Hunt inside the five-yard line. So still not an optimal role, especially if to, if this team can't continue to create these scenarios where they get the extra plays like they have been getting. So this could be a, I won't probably downgrade these guys until we, until we know more, but this is one of those deals where Miles Garrett really does matter. Like he makes a, he, he impacts, you know, our outlook for Jerome Ford. Obviously, in Cleveland, we're going to have quite a few games here down the stretch, specifically three in December that are going to be in Cleveland and likely impacted by some bad weather. So need all the play volume we can get. Hopefully, DTR does get better soon. I will say we've now had three games with both DTR starting and also with PJ Walker starting. When DTR is under center, it's been David Njoku, 31 targets. Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore have 19, and then Jerome Ford's at 17. And PJ Walker's three games under center. Amari Cooper's leading 
leading the way with 27 targets. And then it's Njoku and Moore down there at 19. So certainly does seem like when PJ is under center, we can give a bit more of a boost to Amari Cooper. Small sample sizes either way. And Cooper himself is now injured with this rib issue. So again, just keep that in mind if we can get some sort of injury luck going on in Cleveland, but certainly hasn't been the case there all season long. Rams took down the Cardinals 14, my 14, sorry, 37 to 14. Rams covered by as three-point favorites, the overcast here at 45. So they really uh, they really eased Kyron Williams back into this one, Julian. I know, I know, 61% snaps isn't crazy, but this dude had 198 total yards and two scores like 50 minutes into this one. So 22 touches, just absolute king shit from this dude. If he had actually got a chance to play this whole season, if you just take his seven games that he's played and take that 17-game pace, he would be on pace for over 1,800 yards and 22 touchdowns, Dwayne. And I really thought a lot of that was being inflated a little bit by not having Cooper Cup in the first four games of the season. But Cup was out there. He wasn't 100%. We saw that after literally his first catch of the day when he had to go hobbling back the sideline, get his ankle retaped. But Kyron Williams, man. Maybe it's Matthew Stafford coming back from this injury. His ADOT in these last two weeks is only at 6.1. It was at 8.9 before the bye. I don't know if it's just the perfect, you know, circumstances coming together for Kyron Williams, but this sort of utilization and this sort of offense that has proven capable of being able to put up, you know, some, if not even put up boom games on the scoreboard, at least centralized usage enough around specific fantasy players to let them boom. I mean, we talked about Kyron Williams potentially being the fantasy MVP without the injury, man. He still might have a chance to go gun for that title if he keeps us up. Yeah, and you've had some huge blow-up games from Kyron Williams. You've got three times where he's reached 27 points or more. Week two, he gave you 28 points. Week four, 27.7, 38.4 this week. Over his last two games, he had 158 and 143 rushing yards, 7.9 and 8.9 yards per attempt. And if you look at his total opportunities, uh, 22 this game. That is his third highest of the season, to your point. They didn't really pull back the reins. Yeah, they kept him a little lower from a percentage standpoint of the rushing attempts and of the snaps overall. But like ultimately, the idea would be if you're going to limit someone, like you actually don't give them the touches. If you're worried about them getting hurt, <laughs> it's not just about percentages of plays. Um, so yeah, like if you've got Kyron Williams, you have to feel absolutely great about it heading down the stretch. I think the other, the big question here is like Kyron's a running back one. Like you're looking at him as a mid-range running back one. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's just where he belongs. He's shown us that. My question to you, Ian, is like, what are we doing with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua? <sighs> I don't I don't know on that one, Dwayne. I was really hoping you had uh, the answer to go with there. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot easier to explain away before this one because the Cup does. It came against the Steelers and the Cowboys. Two games where we saw the Rams get overwhelmed the line of scrimmage. Stafford gets hurt in the third quarter or whatever of that Cowboys game. And then, you know, the Brett Ripping experience against the Packers. Okay. Seahawks, Cup should have had that 35-yard touchdown early on. Then he gets hurt. Okay. I know that's a, over a five-week period at this point with the bye week, but I could talk through that. This one, man, is tough because it has shades of this Tyler Lockett shit that's gone on in past years where the guy's too tough to play through an injury that is deemed pain tolerance, like they were talking about that on the broadcast. Yeah. Cup knows he can't make this worse, so he just wants to play through it. They even say he's already missed enough time this year, like he just wouldn't take no for an answer. I believe that Cooper Cup just being out there, Dwayne, is better for this Rams offense, even if it just means he's taking away attention you know from some defenders 
Guess what? We're not getting those fantasy points, though, and it doesn't seem like he is going to be force-fed anywhere near the sort of wide receiver one volume that we are used to seeing from him. So got to make this decision now, man, and looking ahead, he's got the Browns coming up, the Ravens after that. Now, Browns defense without Denzel Ward and potentially without Miles Garrett, far less scary. It is going to be in Los Angeles, so we don't have to worry about bad weather there. So I'm going to have a really hard time putting Cup on a bench, Dwayne, but, I mean, him and Puka – we ranked them legit as wide receiver ones right next to each other for those first couple games, and it worked. You know, I think we need to just rank them as low-end wide receiver twos. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at with them. Now, I will say with Cup, I do think a, a big part of it's injuries. Now, he was already really hurting you in fantasy before that. I mean, yeah. here are his last six game or his last five games, 6.9 points, 6.1, 6.8, 2.1, 4.8. That, like... That is not a stretch that you're used to getting from Cooper Cup. But I could at least look at week seven, week eight. You mentioned, you know, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Green Bay, and the target shares were there, Ian. 26%, yep. 31%, 26%. He had a game in there, or it might have been he had two games in there without Stafford. So you could also point to that. So there were some things going on that it was like, okay, like it, it can be okay. Now it's the injury. So I, I think there's still a chance, like cup could really get going but then when i looked at the schedule i was like god like even if like he suddenly is really over this ankle injury by next week like he now has this gauntlet that he has to go through from a standpoint now he does get to play the slot a lot they protect him they use motion they keep him off the line of scrimmage he can be one of these kind of guys that even against a really good defense when he's fully healthy and matthew stafford's healthy he's really tough to to, to stop like we've seen that from him in the past but I do agree with you. It's tough to keep him in that wide receiver one conversation. He has to come out of that. Puka's also playing hurt. You know, he's been dealing with this shoulder injury. So I do wonder if that's been part of the issue for him or is he just kind of hitting this rookie wall? Because typically we see the rookie wide receivers break out in the second half of the year. Really, Cup, we had the big breakout early. I mean, not Cup, but Puka Nakua, we had the big breakout early. And then since then, you know, the return of Cup, we had those two nice games. But we just haven't had the big fantasy outputs. We've had some okay games mixed in there with Puka. It's been a little, it's been better than Cup over the last five games, but still someone that, yeah, I'm with you. He's got to be in that. I've got to figure out exactly where I'm going to put these guys, but low end wide receiver two, mid range wide receiver two, somewhere in there. 37 points, 457 yards. Stafford throws four touchdowns. Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup have 45 scoreless yards combined. Dwayne, if you told me those team numbers before today, like I, I would have put my mortgage on these dudes in DFS. Me too. Sadly, wasn't the case. And guess what? My other DFS lineups didn't win either. But there's always next week, Dwayne. We know how that goes. <laughs> Tyler Higby did score his first two touchdowns of the year. I'm guessing, Dwayne, same old usage. We just got lucky and, you know, he probably fooled some people. Yep. Think, and it was a different white player scoring those touchdowns. Yeah, it's the same. 70% route participation, 16% target share. He just happened to catch the two touchdowns. Uh, two, two, you know, he, he, you know, he came through with the three catches today for 76 yards. And so I was kind of wanting to see what was happening with him. Well, even with him, like his route participation was only 38%. So two, two has actually been a guy that's been out there a lot more than that, but no, it was Demarcus Robinson that they wanted to have on the field. So I do think Robinson's a guy that they like uh, more in the run game as a blocker than what they do at well. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of gross, man. It was nice to see Stafford uh, have a multi-touchdown game, though, because we've just been kind of waiting yeah. for that. So he, he didn't have to keep the pedal to the metal. So like he didn't even get to 250 passing yards, but it was nice to see the four passing touchdowns. 
I don't think I need the uh, PFF grades to figure out if uh, Demarcus Robinson or Tutu Atwell is a better run blocker. All I'm going to say there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Over on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray got another rushing touchdown. That was fun. He's now had three in his first three games back. He, he We said it after his first game, Dwayne. Like he had that incredible game-winning scramble. He looks all the way back athletically, and that is fantastic. I love it. He's giving us the good fantasy numbers. Even though he hasn't thrown for 260 yards yet, he's getting up around 250. Arm strength looks fine. Had that, you know, pearl of a deep ball last week to Rondell Moore for that touchdown. I love Kyler. He's been pretty damn bad, Dwayne, by most of these passing statistics. And honestly, it's not that different from what we saw last year. 40 qualified quarterbacks, only three games, I know. 29th in PFF pass grade, 25th in yards per attempt, 39th in adjusted completion rate, 30th in passer rating, more so a team offensive passing stat, I know. But guess what? You're still 30th in it. He's doing all this on the fifth highest average target depth, so we're not getting that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, just one one, one yard or two-yard average target depth after another to Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch, screening him to death at the line of scrimmage. But, man, Dwayne, I wish this passing game was exploding a little bit more. That said, when it's in full PPR – we're getting guys like Marquise Brown, Trey McBride catching six and seven balls for 88 and 60 yards. You know, it'll work out. But just, uh, I don't know. I guess if we're trying to look at the Cardinals and saying, like, is Kyler doing enough here to be the quarterback of the future? And can he make this offense hum? It's been very good for him in fantasy. But let's face it, this Cardinals offense as a whole isn't exactly firing at all cylinders since he got back. Yeah, uh, I, I do think you kind of have to split it into two parts of the conversation. For fantasy, it's it's fine. Yeah, you know, but I do think there's upside. Like this is a guy that's still coming off of not playing, uh, you know, football until just here recently. Uh, you know, he looks healthy from an ACL standpoint. Certainly, when we watch him scrambling around, now he wasn't that involved. He did get the touchdown today, but I believe it was only one carry for two yards. So yeah. he didn't do as much running this week. But I still feel like there is upside for him to improve because he's been just more of an accurate passer than this historically. Now, some of it is the average depth of target. Obviously, those two things are inverse from one another, your completion rate and your A dot. Uh, typically, you show me someone that's got a really high A dot, they're going to have a lower completion rate than someone with a really low one, even though the guy with a deeper A dot might technically be the more accurate passer yep. overall. So you got to keep an eye on those things. I'm, I'm going to chalk some of this up to this is Kyler getting back, getting going. Um, I'm still excited about uh, the weapons on the team. Like Marquise Brown today, it was only 14. I say only. He gave you 14.8 fantasy points. It was fine. But we finally had his big target game. The first two games with Kyler, he just really wasn't getting many looks. It was everything was going to Trey McBride. Last week, you had Greg Dortch really kind of popping off. But this week, we had Marquise Brown with 12 targets, 27% target share. He had 48% of the air yards with a 15.5 average depth of target. I know last week he just missed on a touchdown. Uh, he was really close to some big plays today, but still came through six catches, 88 yards. And then you had Trey McBride doing his normal thing, 84% route participation, 21% of the targets, which was nine on the day, seven catches for 60 yards. And it was Greg Dortch again with Michael Wilson out for the second consecutive game. I think at this point, you just have to say, like, Dortch is, like, an okay player. Like, anytime he's asked to come take a significant role, he pretty much does this. He will give you a 20% target share. He's just a smaller guy that I think no team wants to commit to as, like, a full-time player. It seems like he could catch on somewhere and be, like, a, a slot receiver, but he was playing on the outside a lot today, and it was good. 20% target share again, 23% targets per route run, nine targets. Now he only turned three of those into catches for 27 yards, but he did catch touchdown. 
caught the touchdown drain. It wasn't just any touchdown. He, I don't want to say it was like a pure Moss, but like he makes a contested catch on a goal line fade. And 5'7", Greg Dorch does the too small celebration to the yeah, defender. Down 29 points in the fourth quarter. What a moment. And that's why I just love <laughs> watching every snap from every game so you can get to experience things like that. But yeah, man, Marquise Brown, again, in addition to all those just raw targets, 130 unrealized air yards. That is only trailing DK Metcalf right now on the week. So also had a long catch and run where I'm going to try to i didn't get the right replay but man i don't want to say for sure i do think he stepped out i but think he did like, step out i know the player you're talking about i don't think it was amari cooper all over again but it was close it was close though <laughs> it was close there for a second final other thing here Dwayne. actually you know low-key we had this michael carter release happen in yep. new york this was a blowout again talked about you know greg dorch cutting the lead to 29 there in the fourth quarter but really both from a touch perspective and just a raw utilization perspective Dwayne. Did not see James Conner have that usual workhorse role that maybe hasn't been at the same heights as it has been for certain stretches since he's come back from injury. But how much of Michael Carter keeping James Conner to just 40% of the snaps came during, you know, the first three quarters and how much of this was simply a result of the blowout? Um, well, I, I haven't looked at that, but I can pull it up as we're going through it. But for the game, just real quick, it was 40% of the rushing attempts to Conner, 27% to Michael Carter and 20% to Amari DiMercato. And then the snaps were 39%, 38%, and 22%. But if you look at it just in the first, uh, I'll just look at the first half for right now. Sure. So in the first half of the game, 54% of the snaps went to James Conner and 50% of the rushing attempts. Uh, and then I'll just isolate real quickly to the Not fourth great. quarter. Not great, but he <laughs> has he's he hasn't been getting that, you know, all the passing down work anyway. Yep. If we isolate to the fourth quarter, uh, 88% of the snaps went to Michael Carter. So he's also probably taking over the passing down work. Um, so D Mercado had kind of had that role back before, you know, when he and James Connor, the first go around were healthy, D Mercado had turned into the passing down back. James mm. Connor was still really getting most of the early down work. So it looks like now it might really be Michael Carter getting more of that two minute offense mixing in James Connor still probably being the lead early down guy, but man, Anytime you got to deal with this three-way committee, plus Kyler Murray potentially stealing touchdowns down inside the five-yard line, that's a big problem for James Conner. And the matchups aren't going to be exactly great here in the near term. No. They get the Steelers in Pittsburgh here next Sunday. Then we get a bye week. Spoiler, Dwayne. I haven't seen many guys score fantasy points in their bye weeks. And then we get against the 49ers in week 15. So that's going to be really tough to be overly confident about Connor and any of those. Then we get the bears and Eagles in week 16 and week 17. I'm not saying to cut the man, but yeah, certainly not going to be answering quite as many start sits with Connor. After bears and Eagles have both been good against the run, man. That's the other thing. The bears, yeah. the bears, like you can get them through the air, but they've been way better against the run over the second half of the year. Now the <laughs> Eagles have been a little more susceptible lately, but I think we all know when they're healthy and that front seven is looking the way that it's supposed to, like you don't, it's not a great matchup for running backs. The Bears going on Sunday saying we are going to stop the run. And man, they do stop the run. But you know what? It's 2023, guys. Maybe focus a little bit more on that pass. So, you know, great point, man. That really is five straight, including the by six. Really, really tough matchups there for uh, James Connor and company. 
All right, guys. Chiefs took down the Raiders 31 to 17. Casey did cover as nine point favorites. The overcast here at 42 and a half. Note the Raiders do have a week 13 bye. So Chiefs scored their first second half touchdown since October 22nd. Kudos to Patrick Mahomes and everyone involved. But yeah, man, in a game without Jarek McKinnon, we actually end up seeing Isaiah Pacheco have an even bigger role than normal. 79% snaps, 15 carries, and five targets, working well ahead of Claude Evers Hilaire in each and every fast of the game so Pacheco already someone that we've kind of had around that RB1 borderline and someone that especially next week could very well find himself inside the top 10 inside of a Chiefs offense that hopefully is finally starting to really catch their stride so I know I know they played the Raiders with a banged up Max Crosby not exactly the world's toughest matchup out here but hey the guy as much as he might hate the ground and everything you know it's ever done is playing some good ball went out there and had two more touchdowns today one of those probably should have been a touchdown for Mahomes. It was one of those, again, plays I uh, I mentioned earlier, Dwayne, where like he scored. It looked like it. Like They showed him reaching for the goal line. His wrist, his elbow wasn't down, but they decided not to review it. Instead of being a screen touchdown, they gave it to him from the one-yard line on a rush. So sheesh there for Mahomes. And also, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was just short twice on the same drive. That also culminated in an Isaiah Pacheco touchdown. So good stuff there by Pacheco finding the end zone. Otherwise, Dwayne, the big story here is none other than Rashid. Rice, eight catches, 107 yards in a tutty. We saw examples of him using his yak ability to create big plays. Also, man, just catching this like back shoulder down the sideline. Love seeing that sort of chemistry with Mahomes. So he's been incredibly efficient all season long. This isn't exactly newfound, you know, production coming out of Rice. He's always made the most out of his opportunities. Now on the year, number one among 57 wide receivers in yards after the catch per reception. A lot of next-gen stuff is painted him in ESPN. Uh, their receiver ratings have painted him as one of the better yak players, just, you know, independent of guys getting schemed, easier yak plays. His yards per out run is 10th, ahead of guys like Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, Tank Dell, and others. PFF receiving grade is 21st. I mean, he looks like a great wide receiver, Dwayne. Is the usage finally indicating this? Because it wasn't after the post-week bye. Uh, you know, you had no Kadarius Tony today. You had McCole Hardman go on IR. So those two things worked in his favor. We had seen him kind of stuck at that 50 to 60% route participation. He took a small step forward to 70%. Can we just give one of these guys chiefs an 85%? Like, would that be too hard? Like, and Rasheed Rice does seem to be the guy that would be the most deserving of this. However, he was still really in this low a dot role 4.4. So I, you know, they're scheming things up. It's fine. We'll take it. But like he's getting all of those looks that used to go to Michael Hardman, that used to go to Kadarius Tony. So if you just have one guy that's getting all of those, even if he can't get to like an 85% route participation, it's probably going to equal a lot of targets. 70% is probably, we would love to be higher, but 70% is probably enough to where you just have to look at him as a wide receiver three if we know that these other guys are going to be out. I, I know we'll be without Michael Hardman. We'll have to wait and hear. Uh, What's going to happen with Kadarius Tony? Are we going to be missing him in the future as well? Where to see Tony was out? He practiced in full all week and then just randomly got ruled out there. So, yeah, yeah we will find out more on that one. Obviously, it uh, hasn't quite earned the benefit of the doubt throughout his career at staying there on the field. Other side of the ball, again, the Raiders do have that week 13 bye, but Josh Jacobs had a really nice 63 yard house call, stiff arm to safety, straight to hell on the way to the end zone. So, good performance from Jacobs, ended up racking up 125 total yards. And ever since Josh McDaniels got canned, 26. 
29, 15, and today 24 touches. So very much that volume-based RB1 that you probably drafted him to be back in August. Aiden O'Connell, Dwayne, really did put forward his best game. I wish we had like even a little bit of a rushing floor, like even like just you could hope that one day he gets us like five rushing yards in a game or something. He's only got nine this season, man. But hey, threw the football well, had a couple dots to Jacoby Myers. It just, this was really the first game we saw Jacoby stay involved with Aiden O'Connell under center. I think this is really the only thing we need to talk about a little bit, Dwayne, because so yeah, Dwayne, over these last four weeks now in the post-Jimmy G era down here in Las Vegas, I mean, we're talking about Devontae Adams nearly doubling up the targets. He's got 37. Jacoby only has 19. Michael Mayer and Hunter Renfro, number three, number four options at 14 and 13, respectively. So any hope after this bye week for Jacoby doing some things down the stretch? What do you make of this Las Vegas Raiders offense, if anything, beyond Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams? Well, I think the big thing is Aiden O'Connell, which you mentioned already. So he had 238 yards in his first start in week four, right? Then he was really a sub in week seven. So let's mm -hmm. not count that against him. But then weeks nine, 10, 11, and 12, 203 yards passing. Uh, sorry, that was air yards. Uh, 209 yards passing, 153 yards passing, 271 in week 11, and then 248 this week. So that's two pretty good outings back to back. Like that's better than... You know, some of the other guys, well, Kenny Pickett had a better game today, but that's that's better than what we have been getting out of Kenny Pickett. If he can be a 235, 250, 260, it's a pretty consolidated passing tree between Devontae Adams and between Jacoby Myers. I think that's what we need, though. If he could, if he can keep it in that range, then I think Jacoby Myers belongs in that wide receiver three conversation. He can still give you these wide receiver two weeks. I, th I think, you know, we're probably past the point of where we were earlier in the year with Jacoby Myers and how excited we were about him. Yeah. But I think he could certainly be in that wide receiver three conversation and give you some nice spike weeks still. Moving on to the game of the day, game of the week, maybe even the game of the year. The Philadelphia Eagles took down the Buffalo Bills 37 to 34, covering as two and a half point favorites the overcash at 49. The Bills will now head into their week 13 by sitting at just six and six. Life comes at you quickly in the NFL. So you guys won't hear me do this often, but it was a hell of a quick, hell of a kick, Dwayne. 59 yards by Jake Elliott at the end of the fourth quarter in all this rain and madness. Like, just, you know, credit to him. That's the one kicker worth a damn in the NFL. Justin Tucker misses from 44 yards, man. Jake Elliott, take a bow. That's my uh, that's my kicker. My K-101, if wow. anyone ever has to ask me. Okay, so enough of that BS. Jalen Hurts, Dwayne, since taking over as the full-time starter in 2021, he has 34 rushing touchdowns. Tied for second are Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry at 29. I figured this out. So, He's averaging 13 rushing touchdowns per year if you take his current pace for this year. So if he can keep this up, and Jalen Hurts remains awesome, he remains the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback, he is going to piss Cowboys fans the hell off by about 2033. That's when he is on pace to break Emma Smith's record of 164 <laughs> rushing touchdowns. So, you know, you got that going for Jalen Hurts, and you love having him on the fantasy squad. AJB, unfortunately, dudding just a little bit lately. Only six catches for 45 yards and a short touchdown today. Still getting 13 targets, though, and a ish get right spot against the 49ers next week i never want to call them a get right spot but they're so good at stopping run games that sometimes we can't see teams air it out 
specifically with their wide receivers and pick up some fantasy points that way. Devontae Smith now has four straight games with at least 99 yards and or a touchdown. The passing game is going great, Dwayne. Honestly, DeAndre Swift in the run game is looking fine as well. Any major thoughts here on Philly other than just like, yay, Eagles, they're scoring a ton of points. We love their guys in fantasy. Nope, just yay, Eagles. They're really good. I will say (laughs) Julio Jones, uh, almost an 80% route participation. He was close to that last week as well. So since we've had the injury to Goddard, they're using more of the multiple wide receiver sets and less of the multiple tight end stuff. Like Jack Stoll, who is their number one tight end today, only a 34% route participation. Now, Julio didn't get a ton of targets. He only had three. But I just throw it out there for you guys that are playing DFS. You're building out your Jalen Hurts stacks. Like Julio, like, he could easily come down with a touchdown. He could easily have a 50 yard game with three catches and a TD for basically nothing. Like he doesn't cost anything in DFS. So that would be my only comment on the Eagles. Again, five total touchdowns for Hertz. Had two on the ground, also through one use of Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, and Olamide Zacchaeus on a pretty nice 29 yard throw to the back of the end zone. On the other side of the ball, we got again this get right spot of sorts against an Eagles defense that has had a lot of trouble slowing down opposing passing attacks. Josh Allen, 339 through the air and a pair of scores. Also rushed for a pair of scores, showing just how sky high that fancy upside continues to be week in and week out. One touchdown each to Gabe. Davis and Stefan Diggs had some weird usage going on early where there were some like key third and longs and Diggs wasn't on the field but overall on the game we did not see that play out and again very normal usage for the wide receivers and the tight ends how convinced do you remain Dwayne though because again week 13 by I would think Dawson Knox is gonna have a really good chance at being back by week 14 are you still gonna be firing up Dolan Kincaid as his top five tight end he's been more weeks than not without Knox obviously didn't quite kill it today but man he's been too good to just give this role back to Knox right I know they have what 50 million reasons whatever that contract extension they gave Knox last season to keep him involved to some extent but man just adding Kincaid adding Shakir to this offense I really feel like it's given them a new dimension they just didn't have when they were giving so many snaps to Knox it's just so hard to assume that there will be you know rational coaching because (sighs) the Bills also are not really winning right now uh, so who knows what they think, but Dawson Knox has a major ripple effect, um, because Stefan Diggs, you know, has not had as many targets because you've got Dalton Kincaid on the field and then you've got Khalil Shakir on the field more. And those guys are better target earners than Dawson Knox. So there's like, there's an impact to everyone. Uh, so you could argue that when Dawson Knox comes back, that could be bad for Dalton Kincaid, but it could actually be good for Stefan Diggs. Now the targets were not an issue for Diggs today. He had 11, he just had six catches. Um, and Gabe Davis says his day could be, could have been even bigger. Like there was a touchdown pass at the end of the game where he and, you know, Josh Allen weren't quite on the same page. He broke outside on the corner route, you know, where maybe he should have just kept it more like a seam route or more of a skinny post route. Uh, Allen threw it more to the middle of the field, but either way, he was definitely past his defender, uh, and had the pass been on the money wherever, uh, who, I don't care who was right. Had the pass been on the money, like it would have been a touchdown game over Gabe Davis doesn't, doesn't drop it. So, uh, Gabe Davis ended up with 22.5 fantasy points a day, but it could have been even bigger. That would have put him at like 30 fantasy points. So, uh, but yeah, I do think that we'll have to be a little more leery. You're like, we're not going to take Kincaid out of the top 12. But there is a chance that Dawson Knox really does nuke his fantasy value because before Dawson Knox left, really, I mean, we were he was he was not even a tight end one. Dalton Kincaid was not like so he was he was a borderline tight end one 
and he wasn't someone that had really given you any huge outings that made you even feel like you had to, you know, really get him in your lineup. So I'm going to lean towards Kincaid being able to hold him off, but just we've seen weirder things happen. So we'll just have to wait and see, man, because, you know, we're not very good at predicting what these coaches are going to do. Hard game, Jordan. Hard game. But we try. We try. Okay, guys, with James Cook. Again, I wish he got more touches around the goal line. Scored a touchdown last week inside the five-yard line, so not impossible. But when we got Josh Allen and we got just the receivers and everything here, he's never going to be the number one featured option of the Bills attack. But guess what, Dwayne? That Bills attack is still pretty damn good, and beggars can't be choosers when we're now looking at a touch ceiling north of 20, potentially more weeks than not. So James Cook, someone that you do think could actually start getting back into that borderline RB1 conversation, or should we just be happy? that we have a solid enough RB2 and just, you know, roll with that the rest of the way. I think we got to be happy that we have an RB2. Just not enough carries inside the five-yard line. You now have Ty Johnson getting involved. They've had a really a three-way rotation over the last two games. I do think it's significant that what we've seen with Joe Brady, uh, 31% and 39% targets per route run over the last two games. So they're not really using him all the time on passing downs, but when he's out there, they are prioritizing him him and they are getting him down the field you mentioned the touchdown potential touchdown where he got down the sideline wow. and had he caught it he's going to the house with that so that would have been a really big play for him so having those things incorporated he's still going to be able to give you these spike wide receiver or these spike running back one games i think it's just hard to get excited enough about him because the third guy involved and the lack of those carries inside the five to say that he's more than a mid-range running back two right now so, hey, guess what, Bills? You you guys keep running 95 plays a week. We're going to have enough uh, uses, I think, for to go around for everyone. Probably not the case, but, hey, still an offense that we certainly want plenty of exposure to in Fantasyland. Last one, everyone. Sunday night matchup. The Ravens took down the Chargers 20 to 10. They did cover us three point faves, completing Ian's parlay. Yay, me. A broke clock is apparently hitting a parlay once every couple months. The under cash, though, at 49. So Ravens will be heading into their week 13 by sitting pretty at nine and three. Haven't, you know, maybe gotten as many just fancy explosions out of Lamar Jackson as we would have hoped for, Dwayne, especially just knowing the amount of overall team success they've had, but still went out there did his thing ate the w made some nice throws along the way notably helped snap zay flowers touchdown streak no longer have to list him alongside chris goblin when we're going through what exactly is going on again with wide receivers only having one touchdown on a ton of targets and zay even ice the game with a rushing touchdown there at the end from 37 yards out that said two key usage spots here in baltimore that we should be taking advantage of here come week 14 Dwayne, what do we see from isaiah likely in the absence of mark andrews and did we see a true takeover from electric rookie running back keaton mitchell yeah so with likely we got the 83 percent route participation and he had a 20 percent target share 20 uh 20 targets per route run i think that's probably the range he's going to be in i don't i don't think that he'll be there every week because we do have odell beckham jr getting some targets we do have zay flowers but beckham jr man 33% route participation. This might not be right. So some of these data points were, are, they're still feeding in. Right. Right I'm now. looking at it right now. Is it right? Okay. Yeah. 33%. These are some of the things that you will see change though on a Monday morning. So we'll have to okay. come back to it. But if that's the, if that's the case, that's really bad for OBJ. Now he With was the shoulder, shoulder injury yeah. coming into the game. So that was a factor targets per route run still really good for OBJ at 42%. But, uh, Zay Flowers led the team with the 27% target share. But yeah, Isaiah likely, 
I would say high end tight end two. Maybe he works his way into that low end, you know, tight end one conversation. I think you could make an argument that you put him there now. He scored eight points tonight. And then on the ground game, I wouldn't call it the true takeover, but yeah, Keaton Mitchell led the team with Ooh. 27% of the rushing attempts. He had nine carries. Gus Edwards had eight. Justice Hill, though, still involved as well. He had his five. Devin Duvernay, you got to get him one. And you already mentioned mm -hmm. Zay Flowers taking one of those to the house for a touchdown at the end of that game to really put that on ice. So we'll see. But it's trending in the right direction. Also, from a snap pers uh, perspective, Keaton Mitchell did lead the way. And he started that game. He was out there for that first series. 46% of the snaps versus 26% for Gus Edwards and 29% for Justice Hill. So definitely a step in the right direction. And he's a guy that uh, we know he carries a ton of upside because of that big playability. But right now, there's still two other guys involved. So that's going to keep us from making him more like, I think right now, Ian, I mean, I think the highest you can push him and you would be being generous mm -hmm. to make him a low end running back too. But yeah. you're just counting on the big plays. But if he takes another step forward from this, like then suddenly we really start to get excited. And this is how we sometimes see these things play out. These guys, they give them a little more. They see if they can handle it. It levels out for a week or two. They give them a little more. So we'll see. Is this just a plateau and he's done? Or is he going to take another step forward from here? It's got the buy. Maybe we get some post-week usage going up and up. I still just am a little hesitant to think either Gus or Justice Hill completely exit the equation. But again, certainly a very nice data point to add on to the increasingly fast Keaton Mitchell hype train. Over on the other sideline, again, Chargers couldn't quite get the W, but obviously very tough matchup here against the Ravens defense. That is for good reason. Vastly considered one of the best units in the league. So Justin Herbert, you know, added a nice little 35-yard rush to his day. Could have, should have, would have hit Jalen Guyton for a three-yard score. Ultimately could not. And yeah, had to go ahead and throw to my guy, Gerald Everett, instead. The most underutilized tight end in football. Nobody can ever say otherwise to me. But end of the day, Dwayne, Keenan Allen did his thing. 14 catches for 106 scoreless yards. Austin Eckler did not, but we got to at least still give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Has been rough. He's not looking fast. We all saw that David Johnson-esque run from last week. I mean, I don't want to say that because, look, Eckler's never been this 4-3 guy in the first place, Dwayne, so I don't want to put too much into that. But coming back from a high ankle sprain, I do think it's an example of a player that Look, we're still starting Eckler in fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes, but maybe it is time, Dwayne, to put him a little bit more in that mid-tier, that low-end RB1 spot, because he doesn't look like the same guy. He looks like a guy who is actively playing through a bad high ankle sprain. That happened. He's just being a warrior, and when these guys are doing this and they're you know just going through into freaking December now, we can get performances sometimes prolonged like this. So I don't want to take too much from it. If you have something else you want to go with, that's fine. But you know, I just thought going with Austin Eckler would be a bit more – Maybe maybe it is more depressing than talking about Quentin Johnson. Which one do you want to be more depressed with, Dwayne? Austin Eckler not doing anything or Quentin Johnson going for one freaking catch in seven yards? I don't think there's anything with Eckler. I agree he doesn't look the same, but he wasn't looking the same when he scored 23 points, 21 points, and 21 points in the three games before. True. Like so, I still <laughs> I still like the offense he's in. He's still good at scoring touchdowns. He's still engaged in the passing game. So I think it's just a bad little spot here with the seven points and the 9.4 this weekend. Um, so I think Eckler's going to be fine. He's going to bounce back. I, I don't see any way that I can move him down in the ranks right now. I don't see anything from a utilization perspective. They've protected him a little bit more over the last two games because we had mentioned after week 10, we're like, you know, like he's really getting way more work than what we were used to seeing. So they have, they've kind of 
taking their foot off the gas a little bit, letting Josh Kelly play a little bit more, but it's still not bad. Like, I mean, today, when you look at what Eckler did, he's still out there. I mean, he had 65%, you know, route participation today, 80%, uh, you know, snap share. And then he had over half of the rushing attempts. So I, I'm not going to freak out. I think it's fine. And I don't want to talk about Quentin Johnson anymore. <laughs> I, I will, I'll just back you up and say, can we just get Gerald Everett on the field more? Because, yeah. Like they, they need something here. And it's, it's Quentin Johnston. I mean, it's not good. Maybe he'll still be good one day, but right now it's not good. So if I'm them, I mean, I'd rather have Gerald Everett on the field more. Now, Quentin Johnson did get dinged up in this game, so we'll have to wait and see what happened with that. Uh, but they're really thin at wide receiver right now. Uh, Josh Palmer, I think, is eligible to come off of IR. I don't know if it's the next game or the game after. Was Parham inactive? No, Parham played today. He had a 43 oh, He just didn't have a target. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fuck me then. Okay. He's still going to be around. <laughs> They've combined, Dwayne, for uh, seven touchdowns this year. Same as uh, Keenan Allen. So my bull call about uh, Gerald Everett scoring 10 touchdowns should have just said Chargers tight ends. But we will live and learn and we will watch the film and get better as always. Appreciate you guys watching this film. Apologies we couldn't go live this week. I just, yeah, sometimes your Wi-Fi just randomly decides to be a dick right when you're about to try to go live. But hopefully uh, this recording treated you guys just fine. Had a couple start stops in there. So if you hear me talking over Dwayne or something like that going on, sketchy audio. Again, apologies. I know it's annoying. I am very hopeful to have this problem fixed sooner rather than later. But on the bright side of things, Dwayne, it's week 13, man. Two weeks separate us now between you know, the rest of our lives and more specifically the fantasy playoffs. So how are we feeling, man? And anything else you want to get off your chest? Oh man. Uh, feeling good, excited for fantasy playoffs. Like what you're talking about in some of my leagues that starts next week. So, uh, well, well, you know, we've got some, we've got an FFPC team or two, Ian, we'll, we'll see how they do. Uh, you know, we need Cooper cup to play better. That's yeah. for sure to give us a real chance. But yeah, as usual, you know, the, uh, we'll have all of the utilization tools updated tomorrow morning. Those update at 9 a.m. Eastern. So you guys can check those all out for free. The next day I will have out the utilization report article. Ian will have out sheesh report. We'll have the sheesh and utilization debrief with Marcus, you know, like We'll do it like we do every week, and we try to do it the right way. Sounds like a great day to be great to me. Well, it's 1.44 a.m. here in lovely Columbus, Ohio. And by lovely Columbus, Ohio, I, you know, well, I, I almost did it to I almost went the whole freaking podcast without talking about this. I'm not even going to talk about it. Fuck that state. Go Buckeyes. Worry about them <laughs> next year. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Live Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.